Welcome to Martial Wisdom. Here you can listen to conversations on all kinds of topics related to martial arts. Today's topic is the strategy of just run away. Joining me in this discussion is Matt State. Before we start, please consider supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Spirit Aikido online program, which currently contains more than 180 videos. Another option is to contribute any amount you like through the PayPal tip jar. Even small contributions are greatly appreciated. I hope you enjoy this episode. Now, on with the discussion. One minor note before we get started. That is that Matt seems to have a little bit of internet connection trouble periodically through the show. These pauses last only for about seven or eight seconds, so please be patient. All right, I want to welcome Max State back to uh, the podcast. I always love chatting with him. And today the topic we're going to cover is the strategy of just run away or just walk away uh, from violence. And so welcome back, Matt, and I'm looking forward to our discussion. Uh, nice to chat with you again. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. Uh, one of the common things we hear almost as a cliche from uh, martial art instructors is just walk away or just run away from violence. Uh, and I want to cover both of these because running away is a little different than walking away, but the princip basic principle is the same. And like many cliches, uh, it's a cliche for a reason. And I think there is a certain amount of validity to it. If you get into violence because of pride or your ego, or you let your uh, anger become out of control, that is when the advice of walk away is certainly valid. If, if you're mouth or your attitude are getting you into trouble and causing a problem then then yes that's where walking away i think is uh is certainly something to to keep in mind and this may be whether uh you know you have temper control issues uh maybe a drinking problem any types of uh sort of issues that are your own remembering to just walk away or or just get out of there is certainly a good thing in fact um one of the one of the approaches that i've found very useful when things and you can tell when things in a room whether they're involved with you or with somebody else start to get tense like sticky you know problems are starting to go down and you start to notice immediately think do i really need to be in this room right now like is it absolutely necessary that i be here and if the answer is no then certainly this is where making an exit is a good thing to do um Although there are a lot of times when that answer won't be no, the, the if I leave, somebody I care about could be victimized or there could be damage. It could be your own house. Why would you run away if you're in your own house and somebody's causing a violent problem you have to deal with? Um, so these are a few of, the, of the, the ways that I like to categorize. OK, do I need to get involved with this? Is this something that I can that I can avoid if the answer is yes? I can avoid it, then definitely do. But if the answer is no, whether, well, I could get out of here, but could the person with me or the people with me get out of here? Would they get caught up in a violent situation? Um, then the answer might be, yes, I, I do have to be here. I should be here. Maybe I'm the one who's the train, train the best out of the people that are on hand in order to, to take a violent situation and neutralize it. Um, and there's a lot of variables there you know, usually with where am I, who's around, am I outnumbered, Do, are, is there security around or people that can help me, you know, and that's, there's so many variables, I don't, we couldn't even talk about all of them in the show. Um, but, you know, and it's somebody like, like yourself, who's been a bouncer, I'm sure a lot of that is, it's my job to make sure that 
violence doesn't happen here. So you have to step in. Uh, but I think each civilian may have that with their own family. Like I'm the one who's got to protect them right now because I'm the only one here. So um, what are your thoughts on seeing things go on around you that you start to feel like, oh, this could go badly. Maybe I can intercept it or maybe I can do something to, you know, take the temperature down and not just run. Uh, well, there was an awful lot in what you just said there and lots and lots of different elements to that. Um, you did freeze a little bit once or twice there, so there were, were some little bits that I missed. But um, sure. yeah, it's, it's the oversimplification of the, of, the, of the message, isn't it? You know, just run away. It's, it, you can't simplify it down to that thing. Nobody, uh, yourself included, we, you know, nobody's saying that if that's a viable option, we shouldn't take it because we should. Mm -hmm. Question is, is it always a viable option? And mm -hmm is that viable option in the moment going to make it better or worse, so on and so forth. And, you know, are we causing the problem? There are so many elements towards it. Um, I, I was given a, a, a story a number of years ago in and around this, and it sort of summed it up for me, really. And, and basically, the, the story was about these two guys. They were out in the desert. They'd been, <clears throat> they'd been off exploring and doing their thing, traipsing around the world and having a high old time. And they were held up by bandits in the desert. And they had roughly around three days water and around three days food. So basically enough for three days travel. But they were at least five days from civilization. And the question was, basically, do they stand and fight or do they suffer a slow death? Because they could just hand everything over and say, hey, it's just stuff. You know, live to fight another day and all that kind of thing. But the truth of the matter almost certainly in that particular instance, was that if they handed everything. So it's, you know, it's, it's just one of those interesting little stories that really sort of throws that up and highlights the different sort of nuances to it. So, um, <clears throat> I mean, quite often with the whole running away kind of scenario, I think there can be times when that actually makes the situation a whole lot worse um, and it, it's just knowing these things isn't it but uh, one of the things that you pointed out there was um, was was sensing trouble in the first instance now again what I tend to find is people that have worked in those kind of environments where they had to deal with that kind of um, violence on any kind of level then you, you sort of gather you get this awareness where you can feel it in the air you can feel it happening and so you know, again, it's choosing the moment, isn't it? Run, running away or, or moving away or evading or anything like that is actually a great thing to do at that point. It makes perfect sense to, you know, rather than get embroiled in something that you don't have to get embroiled in. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Time to, you know, time to sort of move on and do something else. If, if you can, it's, it's whether or not you can, isn't it? That therein lies the question. It's breaking down whether or not you can and whether or not it's going to make it worse or better. And I, I think the, the critics, the, the people that embrace the just run away or the just walk away will often try to put paint this in a black and white sort of or a binary solution where if you're not running away, now you're just turning into some kind of a combat monster and just going to start beating people up as, as the solution. And I think there's a lot more nuance to exactly how you approach intervening in a violent situation than just flipping on the the aggression switch and starting to go crazy. Um, yeah, well, 
just very quickly on that because usually you get the, and again this isn't to criticize anyone specifically but right quite often what you get is never let anyone get close enough to me you know it's that fantasist behavior if you like because the reality of it is is that the world is an unpleasant ugly place with ugly people in it and you know bad things happen to good people all of the time and so it's trying to basically assess the situation as best as you can isn't it i mean you've you know you've worked in an environment and been in an environment where you know where you've seen violence at the coalface in the raw and it's never like it is on the tv you know it's just not no <laughs> it is and and you know you get to learn to spot the little cues that things are starting to ramp up I remember a fellow instructor told me a great story of, of kind of how this really goes because I, so many martial artists will often characterize when they might need to use their martial art is one is the bar fight. The other one is the total ambush. Like they're at an ATM and a guy, Robert jumps out from behind the bushes and says, give me your money. You know, they characterize these in such simple ways, but this one was, was rather profound. And that is um, my friend told me that when he was younger, his ex-girlfriend was getting married and they were both, they still remain friends even after they broke up, very close friends, as a matter of fact. And she said, I really want you to come to my wedding. I really want you to be there. And he thought to himself, well, her dad never really liked me. Her brother never really liked me. I probably shouldn't go, but I don't want to say, no, I'm not going to your wedding. So out of obligation, he went and he went to the reception and he said, it was, yeah, it's probably against my better judgment. But again, I wanted to put it in appearance and Meanwhile, the father started getting drunk. The brother started getting drunk. He started getting that, that, uh-oh, things are starting to kind of heat up. And he's like, at that point, I should have realized, gone over to my friend and said, this is a lovely wedding. Thank you for having me here. It's very special that I could be here and just left. But he said, I didn't do that. <laughs> I wound up staying where a little longer than I should have. They wound up getting into a dust up with the father and the brother and the bride actually had to step in between them to stop the, to try to cool everything off, which she did and, and it worked. But it's one of those things where this violence that can come up can come in subtle ways that you think, well, yeah, this could be uncomfortable, but I have an obligation or I should be there. It's not just the fight in the bar. It's not just the, the robber at the ATM or a carjacker or something like that um you know and it doesn't even involve having to use martial arts just using good judgment about when can i leave when should i leave should i show up in the first place and i'd say he got it about 80 percent right you know and and even learning the lesson of well I, I could have exited a little sooner i didn't need to stay as long as i did as i saw this situation start to roll into getting into a not so good place um that's kind of the how nuanced violence can really be and how a peaceful person does not ever expect to get into a fist fight going to a wedding, you know, but that's how violence can surprise you sometimes, you know, where you didn't expect it. Well, again, any, anywhere that involves alcohol and emotion, uh, it's, it's a potent mixture and that very much wedding, so. A wedding is full of both of those things, you know, very emotional mm -hmm. and a lot of, uh, of all families are the same, aren't they? You know, when, 
when people say my family is weird, everybody says my family is weird, you know, because most families are weird, truth be told. There's, <laughs> yeah. there's always undercurrents, there's always history, there's always things bubbling away under the surface, you know, and, mm -hmm. and all of those things come into play with everything that you, you know, everywhere you go and everything that you do. I mean, that's essentially where a decent risk assessment comes in as a matter of course. I mean, you know, that's something that I think people should be doing all day, every day. Well, we do. Mm -hmm. especially in situations as you've just said there because there's an identified element of risk and there's an identified if you like scale of risk as in two in the afternoon in the church not so bad 10 p.m after several drinks and, and the disco um much more likely so mm -hmm. again it's knowing that so when it came to work i was always told that um all the good people left by midnight now again that's a that is an oversimplification but mm -hmm. you tended to see that a lot um you'd have that sort of swing over time where people would be out having a nice time whatever it was they were doing whether you know a concert or a nightclub or a bar or a restaurant doesn't matter but then there'd be that sort of tipping point as the night got a bit later and then you know people would start mm -hmm. to how should we say enjoy themselves a little perhaps too much mm -hmm. and and that's where I, we used to find that a lot of people would go home at that point. They'd say, thank you very much. been a pleasant evening. You know, I've had a great time. Now it's time for me to go. And it was from that point on where it started to get colorful. <laughs> right. And, and so, yeah, yeah. Having been there for some of those wild times, it, 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 it is exactly like that. And just like you said, although most sensible people leave by about midnight, others, you know, will stay out a bit later and they'll often think they're in a safe place. They'll look around and they'll see security there and, and, uh, you know, they'll think, well, you know, I'm here enjoying a couple of beers and listening to music and I'm going to, you know, go home safely and whatnot and can suddenly be uh, in a, a very sticky situation where running away may just be physically limited because of the confined space. They're, they're cornered or they are just there's nowhere to go. Um, yeah. And I've, I've yeah. seen this both personally and heard many accounts of. I just wanted to get out of there, but there was nowhere for me to get out. There was no way for me to get past this aggressive person. It, it was just not an option. Um, and so there's that's a the physical part is one of them. And actually, I had a a story from many years ago here in the uh, Twin Cities. We have a um, a large amusement park, and this was a story of a, a man who he and his wife brought his daughters uh, to this amusement park for an afternoon. They were out there riding rides and you know having a good time and. They went to exit the park and the park exit had you know the the one-way gate so you can go out but you can't come back in and there were some you know kind of ne'er-do-wells hanging around there and they started catcalling at these teenage girls and and uh you know the family felt very uncomfortable so they did exactly that they they ran away they tried to get to their car as quickly as possible and these young men followed them to their car way out in the middle of this huge parking lot and proceeded to to beat this guy so bad that he was in a coma for a week and uh, he barely got out of it now i mean i don't want to second guess the situation or his choices in that situation because you can't just get back into the park apparently they did not have any security personnel just outside the the exit gates so once you go through those gates you are in essentially a big empty parking lot but the idea that you know just get to the car and get away 
if they can pursue you, if somebody is actually a predator or a group of people are predators, they could follow you. And it doesn't mean you're going to get into your car and into a safe place. Or, you know, nowadays people are smashing car windows and, and uh, you know, going even crazier. I don't know if he would have been any safer trying to confront these guys right at the gates. Although, you know, there are theoretically cameras or at least somebody might see them there as opposed to being deep into a huge parking lot where chances are they would not be seen. Um, so it, it kind of is one of those situations where you can suddenly unexpectedly coming out of an afternoon at an amusement park, be in a tremendously violent situation where you don't have access to get back to safety. Um, and my guess is he probably got caught by surprise had, you know, there were very few options. I don't know, how would you run with, you know, your wife and your teenage daughters with essentially a gang pursuing you? Um, you know, like I said, there's so many variables when it comes to how do you navigate and stay, stay safe. And, you know, in that instance, you could maybe point the finger at the park, although it doesn't save you from the hospital trip you had to take by saying, why didn't you have security personnel, you know, by the exit door, exit gates or anything like that. Um, but it just stood to me as a, as a, as a stark reminder that no matter how safe you think you are, you may not be. And you can very quickly, in, in a place that you view as very civilized and peaceful, encounter a very unpeaceful circumstance um, and have to think very quickly. So I, I, my heart goes out to, to him and his family. This was a story that I think I heard about eight or nine years ago. Uh, it's been a while back, but I, I'm, you know, it, it, it's one of those reminders of, you know, just because you think you are navigating a peaceful part of town, it might not be. And you can and this was in the afternoon. This was not at night or anything. This was, I think, at six or seven o'clock at night. And the sun sets in the summer here at about nine o'clock. So, you know, broad, pretty much broad daylight. Um, yeah, it's, it's hard, isn't it? Because they're, they're, the trouble is there are times when standing your ground is the right thing to do. There are times when trying to get out of there is the right thing to do. And, and as you said about second guessing, I mean, we, we can't really do that. And so mm -hmm. essentially we're in a, it's one of those situations where the person in the moment is the person that has to make the choice. I suppose the best thing to do really would be to try to um, talk around some of the thought processes towards making the wrong. Right. choice to have a look at some of the situations some you've already pointed out at the beginning so you know do you actually know where you're running to is it actually better or worse than where you already are um, right. you know fundamental things like that you know um are you as you say leaving people behind you know if i'm pushing my two-year-old daughter in a buggy i'm not just going to abandon them and, and mm -hmm. run off or at least i wouldn't like to think i would um mm -hmm. And so there are all these things to bring into play. You know, what am I wearing? Well, because that has a bearing, that has a huge bearing, more so than a lot of people sort of realize. You know, if I'm if I'm wearing a pair of dress shoes, almost certainly I'm going to slip over if I try and run. Almost certainly. Um, and it's things like that that make a big difference that 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 I think sometimes are overlooked. You know, if I'm if I'm in a pair of trainers, if I'm warmed up. And if I've, you know, got my head in the right space to go for a run, I can run, as can a lot of people, you know, and, and we look at that and we and we and it's this is very similar to martial arts and self-defense. 
we look at that run under those conditions and we think that that's what it's going to be like when we're actually under duress and you know and, and genuine fear and bad things are going to happen and the truth is normally in that instance we're not in the best attire we haven't got our running gear on we haven't had a stretch you know we're not necessarily on a flat surface on a lovely afternoon um and all of those things need to sort of come into the equation so what are we wearing where are we are we going to be better or worse um you know who are the people chasing us for one of a better word because again um in the nicest possible way i'm not a young man anymore and i'll be all right for a sprint but you know, if the guy's 20 and fit, he's going to outrun me. <laughs> right. Well, and that's a common thing of where, where people kind of just do a very simple math equation and say, well, yeah, I can run away and maybe they're fit enough to outrun. Maybe say, say I can run a quarter mile and I can outrun somebody. But there are a few things that happen when somebody's pursuing you that make it different than you just doing a cross country run to try to either outrun somebody's physicality or outrun their interest. Like they just, they don't want to rob you enough to bother wanting to run for three blocks, you know, and hopefully they'll get bored and say, ah, it's too much work and I'll go on to the next person. But, uh, and this is something I learned from one of my law, uh, law enforcement friends. They said, when you're chasing somebody, the mindset of the person being pursued is entirely different than the mindset of the pursuer. And that is when you're running from something you're terrified from, you're going to start adrenaline dumping you're gonna start gasping for air and you're gonna get exhausted much faster than if you just got on your tennis shoes, warmed up a little bit, and you went jogging around the park. Um, and the old saying goes, uh, the, what is it? The, uh, the, the rabbit runs for his life, but the wolf is only running for his dinner. Um, when you're running in panic, you cannot run the same way that you, you can. You might feel like you're running faster, but you're gonna tire out and exhaust very, very quickly. Um, and your own cardio, you know, maybe maybe a factor. If you're chased by somebody who's younger, you might run out of gas even normally. But if they're just chasing you to, to get money off you, they can just kind of lope along and they'll still catch you. And this is another thing I learned uh, from from pursuits uh, from those who do it professionally. And they'll say, you know, because my my law enforcement friend is like, I'm carrying thirty pounds worth of gear on my belt. I got boots on. I'm wearing basically a polyester outfit and I can I can outrun some guy some kid in a hoodie and shorts and tennis shoes not because I'm faster but because he's panicked he's scrambling around to find an escape all I got to do is basically stay with an eye shot of him. and sooner or later he's going to trip he's going to catch himself up on some obstacle he's going to slip and fall or, or something and I'll catch him <clears throat> and he says I've never I've never had anybody outrun me and he's like, I'm not the fastest guy on foot either. You know, you don't need to be a speed demon to, to, to catch up with somebody who, you know, gets caught trying to climb over a fence or something like that. And so really the reverse is true. If we think that running away is going to be our strategy, really parkour is, is the martial art for you because you need to train to be able to run, to be able to cross over obstacles that other people can't cross and do it quickly. It's a very athletic art. And I, I tried it for a little while and I realized, boy, this is for young people because you will bash up your shins, your hands. I mean, it's it's a hard art to study and concrete and steel rails are not forgiving. Um, of course, a lot of martial arts are really oriented for young people and the impact that, that their bodies will take 
and the, and the pounding they will take. But, and I really admire parkour for the athletics. I mean, you're talking about high level gymnastics to be able to do what they can do. And I'm not talking about running and climbing up to a second story balcony in, in a couple of leaps, although the, you know, that's really impressive. But even just clearing railings and, and uh, hopping multiple steps and stuff, if you miss one of those and you twist your ankle or you twist your knee, now you got to deal with an attacker. Where does that put you? To me, that I think that puts you very much behind the eight ball. You may be huffing and puffing for air. You're now exhausted, maybe injured, and now you have to deal with an attacker. In my mind, I'd rather deal it when I've got 100% of my energy and my limbs all working anyway. And I've heard from other instructors and, and people that are a little older. I mean, I, my knees are pretty good. They've got bad knees that I, I'm not gonna run for 20 feet. It's like, I gotta deal with what I have right now because my knees are bad or my back is bad. And I think these these things enter into the picture too of, and Sun Tzu would, you know, his old saying of know yourself and know your enemy. And in a hundred at battles, you'll never be in peril. If you know that you don't wanna, um, deal with a violent engagement exhausted and injured and you know you'd rather do it in this spot regardless of whether maybe you have to move a little bit to to be in a, a more advantaged uh, location you know you don't want to be behind a dumpster in an alley you'd rather be out where there people could see you and might come to your aid you know but that's not going to be sprinting to get there it's going to be you know a placement kind of a thing um but yeah, an attacker might lose interest in you and might not chase you, but what if he does? And I guess that's a big question. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, these are all things that sort of come into that consideration, isn't it? Before you sort of take an action, they should. That's, I mean, that's the difference, really, isn't it? It's, it's, if you're gonna run away, then it's a, it's a choice and it's a decision that you've rationally reached, as opposed to a panic response. Where you're just literally flying blind and 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 haven't thought through all of the possible and all of, you know the ramifications and the possibilities of, of what could happen with that. So I mean it's an interesting one because the, the the simplification of it doesn't sort of acknowledge all the different elements of it. You know, as an example, we've talked we talked a little bit about if you like the preemptive, as in I can feel something's you know bubbling away there. Let's let's just leave the situation before it explodes, which is great. We've talked about an actual physical attack, shall we say, or a physical altercation in the moment. But then there's the other side of that as well. And you see this a lot within security work and, and other things like that. that, that sort of deferred problem where you capitulate just to try and stop it from happening, but it actually happens further down the line. So, um, you know, you're your super way and let them have what they want and 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 just turn the other cheek over and over again but all you're doing is storing it up for later on um mm -hmm. you see it in security a lot you know great big great big bloke comes up to the door he's very aggressive showing a lot of bad attitude and i've seen it before where the door supervisor the security there will actually say you know oh okay i'll let you have what you want i'll let you in whatever it is just to avoid confrontation which although isn't physically running away, is mentally running away. Mm -hmm. But then all that does is it just opens up the doorway for that person to think you're weak, you're ineffective, you're a pushover, you're easy to manipulate and abuse, and they will just carry on, but worse. 
And so there's that, that mental running away as well, which needs to be part of the conversation, I think. Yeah, I agree. In fact, I'm glad you brought that up. It reminds me, I think just yesterday I saw an article. Uh, it was about a, a girl. I think she was about eight years old and she was being bullied uh, by a schoolmate. And this was a consistent behavior and she didn't engage with it, basically tried to move on. And like you said, it deferred it. And the, uh, the, that she had photos, this, this bully eventually attacked her and was slamming her head into the ground, the pavement. It, she lost a tooth, blood on her face, the whole thing. We often think of violence as being by a stranger, by somebody we don't know. It's a one-time thing, kind of like the, at the amusement park. Um, but according to, to crime statistics, at least here in the United States, 80% of violent crime is done by somebody the victim has met before or knows before. And you bring up a, a great point, which is it's not just the, the uh, bar fight scenario or the ATM scenario. It might be somebody who's started with a low level of aggression towards you and is testing you to see if you are going to be easy pickings. And they will work their courage up, perhaps over successive encounters with you, and get brave because you're just going to turn and walk away. And that emboldens them. Um, of course, now we branch into kind of bullying behavior and, and there are ways to, without just beating up somebody who you view as a bully, of giving them notice of you're not going to put up with them being verbally aggressive or physically aggressive with you. <clears throat> and that's kind of an art all of it itself, but it's a way to preemptively stop the escalation, their escalation from wanting to poke you a little bit to wanting to mess with you to wanting to actually attack you. And, and I, I do agree, I, I think that preemptively stopping that escalation before it gets to be that before the, your bully or your aggressor has worked himself up the courage to know that you're not going to hit them back, they're just going to have a free reign on you. Um, and eventually you will have have that physical problem. Um, you know, and I and I feel for for children, I've actually interviewed hundreds of victims of bullying, uh, mostly focused on childhood bullying. And I feel for children because an adult has a great deal of control over where they go in their life. Uh, if they're getting bullied at a job, they can quit that job. They can go to another job. They can choose where they go to dinner. They can choose where they go shopping. But a child really is stuck. They have to go where they are told to go and they don't have any choices um, or autonomy yet. Uh, but as an adult, we can choose those to some degree, but there are cases of adult bullying of you know, coworkers, uh, neighbors, you know, what, you can try to sell your house and move away, but even that doesn't happen very quickly. Uh, so you might be encountering somebody again and again, it might be a relative, might be, you know, friend of a friend. Um, these things can happen in many different realms. Um, but, but you're absolutely right. I think that, that, you know, we can't just characterize violence as being, this is a stranger that does it. Uh, it could be somebody, you know, Yeah, well, that, that, this is again. This is where it's sort of it, it's so much wider than the very simplistic just run away. Because the truth is, there are predators in the world, right? And yes. the easiest way I can explain this is that um, I have a dog, right? He's a fantastic dog. He's a beautiful dog, but he is a dog, and he will act like a dog, which means mm -hmm. he has a prey drive, which means he will react to movement mm -hmm. and fast movement. 
So if you run, that will set off his prey drive and he will be a dog. Now you can't blame a dog for being a dog, right? Mm -hmm. But my point is, is that there are predatory people in this world. And if you run, sometimes it's the right thing to do. Other times it's just gonna make the situation worse. And those predatory people, sometimes the actual, the best thing you can do is actually just stand there and say, that's it, that's enough. I'm not standing for that. I'm not having that. And I don't just mean in a physical sense, I mean, um, you know, emotionally, uh, right across the gambit. Um, you know, it's a hard one, isn't it? Because it's, as I said at, at the beginning, you can't, you can't tell people what they need to do in any given moment because, well, you can't, every, every, every moment's different. But it's having those, that sort of understanding of the situation and what sort of where the triggers are and what kind of people you're dealing with. So again, we're, we're, I, I suppose we're almost moving off topic in one sense, but in the other sense, we're not because what we're doing is we're trying to identify when is the right time to leave the scene? When is the right time to run? When is the right time to confront? When is the right time to call that person out on their behavior? You know, and, and so it's you know spotting those types of people and those types of behaviors yeah it helps to make where somebody has decided to take the path of being non-confrontational and has actually made the situation far worse over time by doing it yeah i agree in fact you know i, I was I love watching kids play because they'll do that exactly like what you talked about with the dog. If you want to get chased, the, you just take off running and usually the, another kid will just chase right after you. It's, it's so ingrained in, in our predatory behavior of, you know, and when kids, they like the excitement of the chase to them, it's playing, but the behavior is still there. If you do run, you are inviting chase. Um, and I, and I think that there's even without the running part, if, somebody if i'm a predator and i approach you and i make it pretty clear by my body language that i am going to impose my will on you and i see you get nervous and start to back away and start to even walk away like you're retreating i'm going to pursue you and that doesn't that can be very very slow uh it doesn't have to be that you take off running like a jackrabbit but i know by the body language that you've shown that you are submitting that you do not want to confront me you don't want to, and this is the other thing that you described really well, and I, and, and I like putting the, the term uh, setting a boundary. When you say, I'm not going to put up with this, or no, this is not going to happen, you are establishing a boundary rather than just retreating. And the one thing about a boundary, when, when a boundary is created, you have to be able to enforce it. You have to have the will to enforce it and the ability to enforce it. Because what can happen is you draw that line and say, I don't want you in my space, and then that the predator steps over the line and says, well, what are you going to do about it? That tends to be the next thing. And that's where our physical training comes in to say, I'm going to enforce my boundary with you. Um, and, I, and I think this also crosses into things like uh, violence that happens. Maybe violence is not the right word, but the boundary crossing that happens on uh, date situations where, uh, you know, wandering hands or, or things that make uh, people feel uncomfortable in terms of, uh, you know, a, a date situation can be, was there a boundary established? If not, then how does the person know they've crossed a boundary? If you never enforce a boundary, 
then you're kind of giving license to the, the aggressor that what they're doing is okay. And for any behavior, what you allow or what you accept is what you endorse. So if somebody's being just a verbal jerk, like they're being abusive and you don't say, hey, I want you to stop that. I'm not going to accept you cursing at me or calling me names or what have you. If you just sit there silently, they'll just think, oh, okay, well, they don't, they're cool with this. I'll just keep going. Um, so I think that those boundaries are, are important um, yeah. as long as you're ready to enforce them. Because the minute you, you don't enforce a boundary, for example, uh, don't put your arm around me, keep your hands off me. And then when they keep doing it, you don't do anything to respond, then the boundary is useless. There's, there's no point. You know, you, you yeah, now well, said, we're much, yeah. We're very, very much back in the realms of, of what I was saying at the beginning there with regards to um, assessing the situation and, and working out the, if you like, the value ladder and, and whether or not your actions are going to make something better or worse. So, um, you know, so, so, so in, the, in, the, in the way that you were discussed, um, describing that then, we want to be able to set boundaries, but we don't want to be the person that is just this really difficult person to get along with that is just demanding right. things all the time. And I mean, you know, that's, that's, that's where it becomes interesting then because that this goes back to those risk assessments, those value things and figuring out is it, it worth it's that it is that picking your battles isn't it um but that does you know when somebody says picking battles i mean that 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 does state quite categorically that there are times to run but there are times to stand your ground and it's mm -hmm. trying to figure out which which of those things or a version of is is the right thing to do um, right. and again we're right back to to saying that i you know, none of us can second guess anybody's situation. There was, mm -hmm. um, there was the famous MMA guy the other day, wasn't there? That unfortunately, some people have been quite unpleasant about on social media. I've noticed. Um, I don't really know the story fully, other than that he's a professional MMA guy and a jujitsu mm -hmm. coach and what have you, and um, got into an altercation with a couple of guys and, and got himself badly hurt. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> you know, he obviously decided to fight for whatever reason. I mean, I don't know why, I don't know the story, but <clears throat> he got seriously hurt. And, and we're all human, we're all you know, susceptible to that. And I, there's not a man alive that isn't, you know, that can't be beaten. It's just not, it's as simple mm -hmm. as that. Especially when you're talking numbers, weapons and everything else. Right. Um, and so for, for, for the few people that were there um, that, that appeared on social media saying things like, oh, well, see, you know, MMA isn't all that and all the rest of it. It was mm -hmm. in the nicest possible way, a bit frustrated by that because, again, there, but for the grace of God, you know, it could happen to any one of us, you know. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> would he have been better off running in that situation? The truth is, I don't actually know because I don't mm -hmm. know the story and I wasn't there, you know. Mm -hmm. But my guess is, as a professional athlete, as a martial artist of many years, my guess is that he, he wouldn't necessarily have charged into that willingly, but then I don't know. So, I mean, that's sure. Yeah. I saw the same news story and I, I just glanced at the footage. I didn't make a full study of it, but as I understand it, he saw somebody getting beaten up and he charged into help. Didn't realize that the crowd uh, was not sympathetic and they turned, the crowd turned on him 
and suddenly he was in the midst of a bunch of a bunch of people coming at him from every direction. So uh, I guess, and I totally agree with you. I don't know the the setup situation. I don't. I'll give him props for going in to try to save somebody from being beaten up. That's a very noble thing, um, you know. But I totally agree with you. Like nobody is impervious. I don't care how much training you have. You can be, you know, a lion can be taken down by jackals mm-hmm. um, or hyenas. I guess is the, um, you know, the the low level predator, you know, in the in the plains, but. And we always have to remember that, you know, however, you know, he could have run, but I'm sure if, if he was going to save somebody, he would have said, well, sorry, you're getting beaten up, but I'm not going to get involved with that. Um, I, could, I could see that that would be an ethical dilemma for, for a, you know, an ethical person who, who says, I don't want to see an innocent person getting beaten up. And, you know, MMA training will not train you to spot what a situation of a bunch of frenzied people can be or how quickly a crowd that is just looks like they're just watching a fight can suddenly participate in one um you know every every realm of training has their holes and uh real world evaluation of violent situations is not something sport sport fighters are trained in they they just aren't in the same way with with uh you know the the dojo type theoretical martial arts will often be oblivious to that level of violence and that's where i give you know a great deal of respect to security people uh even you know people that hang out in bars a lot get into bar fights they know they can see when a bar fight is starting to brew they can see when people are uh, you know when an individual looks like they're starting to get aggressive or antsy you know leading up to that there are bo- there's body language that starts to convey those things um but sport fighting doesn't train that um you know and your average uh, traditional martial art doesn't address much of that either um but it's one of those things i think it's a survive basic survival skill uh, to have i think to be, in everyone's sort of defense a lot of people uh, <clears throat> a lot of people don't appreciate just how vicious that pack mentality can be when it goes and that ripple effect mm-hmm. and um, it's unbelievable just how what you think sort of normal, sane, rational people can do in that kind of environment with that pack sort of thing going on. It's unbelievable. So I, you know, I don't blame anyone if they haven't sort of been seen that, been around that. Um, it's incredible to witness. Um, but but the, the other thing, and this is where I wanted to draw, draw on this because it was interesting when he was talking about this. And, and this isn't about any singular person, by the way. So this certainly mm-hmm. isn't about the, the guy that we were talking about a minute ago. Sure. I have no idea about that. But it does bring up an interesting point, especially for people like ourselves and martial artists, when we talk about running away or engaging, what have you, and that is the ego. And you were speaking a minute ago about saying that, you know, he rushed in <clears throat> to, um, to go to somebody's aid, which is admirable, absolutely. But then it suddenly occurred to me, some of the motivation for us would be ego because we would have to then talk to our friends and our family and our loved ones and our work colleagues who all think we're these super duper superheroes that may not wear a cape, but we were a gi, you know, mm-hmm. and, and we should be able to defend everybody from everything. Um, that's what we do as martial artists. And so in that situation, ego would make it very difficult to,
to just accept the fact it's a single individual, but ego, I think, is something that we've all got to be careful of because it does mm -hmm. occasionally lead us astray, shall we say, and get us involved in things that we shouldn't necessarily be involved with. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's, it's an interesting sort of element to what we're talking about, especially when it comes to martial artists, because um, it's one of those. We all talk about lack of ego and all the rest of it, mm -hmm. but martial artists are mostly the most egotistical people I know. <laughs> <laughs> That, that is the, certainly true. There are some monster egos in, in the martial arts, um, you know, some of which are, I suppose, the, the arrogance is deserved from, you know, some of those people that are at the top of their game and they're really amazing. The, the ones, uh, you know, doesn't make it any more palatable when they're, you know, arrogant jackasses. But, um, you know, the ones I find that are the most puzzling are the ones that don't have much skill, but have got a lot of ego and a lot of arrogance anyway. So, but either way, not understanding your own capabilities and what the what you're walking into is a recipe for a disaster. And like, like I said, with that account, I'm certainly not blame, blaming the uh, the man for jumping in. It was totally noble for him to do that. Um, it's just nature is very harsh on poor decisions and ones that are made in haste or without a full understanding of of a situation and my guess i didn't see any any lead up or hear how the lead up happened but it looked to me like there was this is something that happened in the span of seconds and this is another thing i'm sure with the the uh, man and his family that came out of the amusement park he probably had only a few seconds to make a decision of what do i do this is obviously a bad situation and this is one of those things where talking it through like we're doing now and encouraging people to think through how they would handle situations like this are good mental exercises because it can help prepare you for what you should be watching for how you should make your decisions obviously remaining calm and not making decisions out of panic you have to do that if you make any decision out of fear entirely it will probably be a bad decision and that could be just run you know take off and run um, it could be attack, you know, engage in attack. And oftentimes, you know, when you get into that heated situation, the adrenaline starts to dump. Sometimes attack is what people will do. They have that personality of, I'm just going to go on the offensive. And that can be a big mistake. Um, you know, maybe they, they didn't realize they were, they were going after somebody who had two of his friends there or his brothers or whatever, um, and get into a world of trouble. Um, so I think there's, this is such a complex thing there. You, it's hard to even come up with a basic rules of engagement to say here, just look for this, look for that. If you see this, then do this other thing. And it, it's so complex. Every situation is so got so many different variables. Um, but I think keeping a cool head is, is a recipe, the first step for everything. Try to try to keep your eyes on things going on rather than than letting things go on around you, you're not paying any attention to. Those are two main main ingredients. And I know instructors talk about that situational awareness thing, but but it's how it plays out is is very interesting, um, and it takes practice. Yeah, well, I, I would say that there are you know there are positive things that people can do, but it's 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 making those habits, isn't it? And as you say, it takes practice. It's embedding those yep. into your uh, in, into your everyday sort of 
what you do and, you, and your uh, <clears throat> your way of going about things. I mean, there was. I remember being, and the reason it's stuck in my head is because it's it's right at the extreme of of what things you know what things are and how things are, but um, it very much highlights why people do what they do. So this guy, whenever he went to a new hotel, he would go up to his room, he would put on a blindfold and a um, gas mask, and he would try and find his way to the emergency exit. I, and and there, there was it was a documentary they made about these certain people with these strange behaviors. Uh, and he was one of the people on this documentary. And it was very bizarre, but it turned out that his role, his job, uh, was an investigator for these kind of serious fires that happen in public spaces, such as hotels, conference centers, that kind of thing. And he basically said, the vast majority, by far, don't die from burning to death. They die from smoking inhalation because they can't find their way out. Mm -hmm. um, and so because he's got a very specific view on the world, i.e. that's what he does on a daily basis and sees the very worst of it, he wants to be prepared for that. Mm -hmm. Now, what I tend to find with people that are in security or, or any kind of sort of confrontational roles is that they embed into themselves a, an exit plan, if you like. So whenever they go into a room, or whenever they go into somewhere new, they, 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 they figure out how to, how to get out of it, where to go, where's the exit, where's the best place to, um, you know, where would I, if it went pear-shaped, where would I go, what would I do? And they run that through in their head, and it's all just bubbling away in the background without really thinking about it. And that's something that I think is a, is a real good habit for people to get into, especially if they're going to be going somewhere where there's a possibility, as you mentioned earlier, we said about the wedding, but if it was say a sporting event, or with alcohol, um, you just can't trust people when they're full of alcohol. Um, in those situations to, you know, to prepare yourself and have a little mental map, if you will, that you go in and you say, okay, well, if it did get unpleasant for whatever reason, I could do A, B or C, then that way again you're not stuck in a panic mode you've actually you know you've actually got some thought process behind your action that you take um so i mean there's a, for me that's one of the one of the key things that i would say to people is regardless if you're going to the cash point to take out a large sum of money just consider for a moment somebody trying to stop you in that process or coming up and talking to you what would you do how would you react just consider it you know the same as if you're waiting late at night for a taxi alone, you know, consider what your options might be if, if something terrible happens. Um, and that way, then you, you've at least given it a little bit of thought and it's not that panic. So, I mean, there's, there's one suggestion that I can um, that I tend to tell people and, and it's sort of served me OK, pretty much. And, and people yeah. that I know. Yeah, appreciating where you are. I mean, uh, even last week I, I read an account from a, it was actually a self-defense instructor who was coming out of a, of a self-defense class he drove home and uh, if i recall the story correctly he went to a parking ramp uh and he said i was you know using my awareness and looking around there was nobody in the parking ramp he parked his car got out got his bag of punching uh of boxing gloves and all the gear that he was had he went to walk out and he suddenly saw this person approaching him in the parking ramp 
And he said, where I was located, there was no way out. I would have to walk by this person. He said, it made me nervous because I saw the right hand was hidden and I couldn't see if there was something in the right hand. And I tried to kind of clear distance and suddenly I saw it was a knife and this person attacked him. And there were pictures with this story of, you know, his leg had a big gash in it. There was, he had a couple of other, he was, had a couple of cuts and I think a stab in it. He survived, thankfully, but he said, you know, we always talk about self-awareness uh, or, you know, aware of a situation. And I, I had, I was watching, I, I wasn't oblivious. I wasn't talking on my cell phone or anything like that. The best, even with the best things you can do, you can still be caught in a situation where running isn't an option. You, you were aware, but you still, they've got uh, the position on you and, you know, you might have to deal with, with physical violence. And, you know, he, I didn't see how, you know, I, I think he said it was my training. I, I feel like I survived because of it. It probably would have gone worse had he not been trained. And I would believe that. And like you said, nobody's impervious. You know, somebody comes at you with a kitchen knife. That's a serious heavy duty threat. Um, and I'm not certainly going to second guess him of, of how, how he did, you know, with it. I don't expect even martial artists to be, you know, impervious to a knife attacker. In fact, I, I definitely teach if somebody attacks you with a knife, that's, that's serious. They don't need a lot of skill to do a lot of damage. And that will, that, that weapon can make up for a great deal of skill deficiency in an attacker. And, and, um, you know, it can happen that way. But to take on the, well, just run away or just use your awareness all the time and you'll avoid everything. Like that awareness can fail. And even like with the, the, um, the amusement park aspect, maybe that the guy could have gotten into a dialogue there and established a boundary and somehow verbally negotiated his way out with maybe using humorness or cleverness or some kind of banter or who knows what could have happened? You know, we'll never know. And we can't, we can't impose that. It could have been something he might've tried. I don't know if he was so nervous or terrified that it didn't happen that way, but the guy in the parking ramp with a knife, probably not a lot of banter or boundary setting is going to work in a situation like that, but we'll never know, you know, but um, that's, that to me is why the physical training is there because when the awareness your best efforts at awareness did not work. Your negotiating skills or your verbal skills did not work. When somebody has eyed you up as a target and is not going to shift off of you, if that didn't work or even trying to walk away didn't work, now what are you stuck with? To me, that's where those physical skills come into play because despite all your best efforts, you may get failures at each of those points where you could have avoided physical violence, but you couldn't like that choice was that's not wasn't your choice to make you tried to choose a nonviolent exit, but it was just not available to you. Yeah, again, it's one of those isn't it where I mean, the, the situation you just described Carl, I believe that was and then um, there again, it's one of those where I'm absolutely sure he, he did the best that he could with the situation yeah. and and it, you know it sounds to me from from the way that he described it because i saw the post myself that you know he 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 did have awareness he was you know he was aware of what was going on and and and, and all that sort of thing and it was it just shows that we're all human absolutely and and mm -hmm. what you know it, there, there are some things you can avoid there are some things you can't avoid that's 
fundamentally it. But when we talk about the physical skills and having training and being um, capable, use the term loosely, um, then it goes back to what I said earlier about the, the dog analogy. It's the same thing. It's the barking dog analogy, right? If I walk around a corner and I'm greeted with a chihuahua going, nah, 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 I'm pretty sure that I can just literally kick the thing if I really need to and just carry on with my day. Mm -hmm. There's no real danger to walk. towards me because I'm snarling and gnashing its teeth. My response is going to be somewhat different based on my ability to physically deal with the situation. And again, when we're talking about the whole running away conversation, again, that's part that has to be part of it because, mm -hmm. you know, how do, how do we feel with regards to capability? You know, how do we feel with regards to being able to um, physically dominate if we have to, if we have no choice? Because again, you know, if I if I slap that Rottweiler around the side of the head, I'm probably just going to antagonize him and make it worse. <laughs> That's the truth of it. And so yep. again, it, these are all factors in, in in the decision making process, isn't it? I mean, it comes back mm -hmm. to the same thing all the time. It needs to be a decision, not a panic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and you mentioned it earlier that there are predators in the world, and the the one thing that uh, that's important to know about predators is we can't think that they're accidental or they're haphazard or they're stupid. Oftentimes predators will pick a place where it will be difficult for you to make an exit. They want to make you want to corner you. And I don't know in the, in the UK over there, but here in the U S public bathrooms are one of the worst places in terms of safety, because oftentimes there is only one entrance and exit. So if somebody comes in after you into a public restroom and even one of the large rooms that has stalls and, and whatnot in them you're cornered in there you can't get out unless you get past them and they know it like i've i've known a number of people that have had that have been held up by knife point in in a, a public bathroom mm -hmm. because they suddenly paint a picture of you're cornered you know you you're now facing somebody with a knife think about this how do you want this to go do you want to give me your wallet or something else how do you want this to go sideways or whichever so they kind of paint you into a corner where you know you don't have options uh and to create fear it's an it's a method of intimidation same thing with uh things like stairwells and parking ramps uh they know where dark corners are they know where the places are that are easy to corner somebody in because it works in their favor it's like it's like an intimidation um yeah. And so we have to account for, you know, as Sun Tzu would say, know your enemy, know that these predators, if they want something and they're even a little bit smart about it, will figure out to put you into a place or catch you in a place where it's not easy to get away. Yeah. But they want to close off your options. Yeah. <clears throat> but equally as important with that is not just the physical aspect of being put down a cul-de-sac, if you like. But there's also the mental aspect of that. When you look at things like the OODA loop and that kind of thing, these guys are already aware of what's going to happen. They, 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 you know, they've already set themselves on a course of action. So they're mentally prepared for what's coming. For us, it's that huge adrenaline dump. It's that massive overload. It's that overwhelm. It's, it's you know, we're in that moment and we've got to play catch up. And again, that's a really important element to this, which is, which is why it goes back to 
thinking through sort of options and worst case scenarios and what would I do if, because mm -hmm. um, maybe just maybe that way it gives your brain your brain a chance to sort of catch up that little bit quicker. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and obviously you would want to avoid being surprised as much as possible, and you may have to think very quickly. You may only have five to 10 seconds perhaps to say, okay, where, what's my situation? Can I get out of here? No, I can't get out. I'm cornered by this person. Is there something I can say to kind of buy myself some time or buy a good, buy a better position than I'm in right now? I mean, all these things can happen at pretty much lightning speed, but if, but it's a dialogue that has to go on to, to keep strategy to get you out of that situation. If you just go to, oh my God, I'm cornered. And now you go into panic you'll either freeze or completely submit. Um, and, and I don't think those really simple decisions are uh, the best way out. Uh, I've found that, you know, keeping the cool head and trying to at least get a better position and you do your best to try to avoid violence, but also try to read that person. If you know somebody like that, you see them walk into a bathroom after you and, and they pull a knife out, you can pretty much bet they were planning on doing this and they've mm -hmm. got, they've got the jump on you, so to speak. Uh, and that then you then you have to play catch up to try to turn things around, you know, and you can try just handing over your wallet. It's not a, an unheard of tactic to say, it's my life is worth more than what's in my wallet here. Here's the money. And they might leave. You know, so you, I can't you couldn't even pick on that as being a poor tactic. However, if they can get your money pretty easily, maybe they're interested in going farther than so the, you can't just say that that's, that alone will solve your problem. And I guess this kind of comes to basically these broad strategies generally. Well, just run away or just give them your wallet or, you know, what have you. Um, you know, what if they're there to, to cause physical harm? Uh, then are you willing to just accept that? Uh, it's kind of one of those soul-searching philosophy, self-philosophy examinations of what you're willing to put up with and what you're willing to not, where is your boundary? What, what are you willing to do to establish that boundary and reinforce it? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, again, it's, it's, I think the oversimplification of the question is the actual polar opposite to what the actual answer is, which is there isn't a set answer. There isn't a specific one size fits all response there. There's just way too many variables and Um, you can't possibly work out every eventuality and every possibility. It, it just it just can't be done, can it? So, um, yeah, I, mean, I, I don't know. I mean, all I know is that as I go through life, my physicality changes, my mentality changes, what I want in the world changes, where I go changes, and all of those things impact on my decision-making processes, you know? Mm -hmm. I'm less likely to run now than I would have been, say, 20 years ago, mainly because 20 years ago, I'd stand a much better chance of outrunning somebody. <laughs> this is true. The knees don't get better as you get older. Exactly. Yeah. So, the, so there's that to it. And then there's also the elements of, well, you know, how do I feel within myself with regards to capabilities, the legal aspects and all the rest of it? I mean, if I can avoid, I will absolutely 100%. Right? Because agreed. that's the sensible 
smart thing to do, right? But when we say avoid, that could be don't go to that place. Don't wear that stupid T-shirt. Don't put that social media post. You know, there's so many ways that you can actually avoid in the first instance so it doesn't get to that, which are fundamentally, I think, the, the better option. You know, as I get older, I, I spend less and less time in these kind of volatile situations. You know, I don't work in the nightclubs and bars anymore. I haven't done for a while. I don't frequent them anymore. Um, again, <clears throat> 15, 20 years ago, literally every weekend I would be in the bars and I would be in the clubs as a customer, not just to work, you know, working there, but as a customer, you know, and I would drink too much. I would party too much. I would hang out with strangers who I didn't really know and, and get into all kinds of crazy scrapes and things, you know? And so the thought processes were very different then. My physicality was very different then. And I had a different As we get older, the pendulum shifts. It does, you know, and I guess to, this has been a great discussion. I, just to wrap this up, I, I, I would say the just run away or just walk away is similar to many of the shorthand answers for here's how you solve your violence problem. The minute you hear a, an all-in-one type uh, strategy, you know that it's just in, inadequate. It will not cover you. There are no single solutions that will cover your own safety. Um, they may be part of it, part of a larger set of, of tools, but they are just that. They're individual tools. It's be like like any car mechanic saying, well, this this one wrench is all I need to work on a car. Well, that's utterly ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Yes, you do need that one, but it's not the only one. And it can't be the only one. Or you just won't have, have the ability to do to be very useful. Like you won't, you know, if you won't have the, all the tools available that you might need, depending on the situation that you have. And then, of course, training is where we develop the tools. And then how we apply them is that wisdom of knowing which one you need for a particular situation. And I find as an instructor, that's the hardest one to convey uh, because it's hard to put on full simulations that have all the intent uh, to, for students to read and to perceive. Um, we do some scenario training and I have seen some, but even from pros that have run it for, for professionals, it's, it lacks that, that same intent that you would be reading real people and their, their real anger or their predatory behavior and kind of simulate a little bit, but uh, it's tricky. But I think that staying away from all-in-one solutions or simplified solutions is is a good thing for people on the martial path to how to understand their training and how it fits into the strategy of of self-protection yeah i mean I, I would probably just add on to the on to the end that the, the the thing is if you only have a short amount of time to cover such a wide vast difficult topic then you know, if you could only really give one piece of advice to somebody just starting out or, or somebody, you know, um, then actually it is a valid piece of advice. You know, if you can mm -hmm. escape, escape. If you can avoid, avoid. If you can run away, run away. But it's the word if at the beginning. There's the critical factor. If you can, you know, then you should. But that's for me where the separation, not run away, but if you can. Right. 
the devil's in the details and it's in that word if (laughs) and and being able to perceive it correctly because a lot of times misperceptions make for poor decisions and uh you know that happens too so well this has been a great discussion matt i uh i was really looking forward to this topic and and it's one you know we hear so many times i'm sure you've heard it in the self-defense world too and it every time i hear it i kind of roll my eyes and be like okay yeah run away if you can but there's a lot more to it so i appreciate you coming on and, and chatting about this oh no my pleasure my friend my pleasure I always enjoy chatting with you and it's a it's a great topic isn't it there's there's so many different things that we could be talking about and um yeah looking forward to the next time absolutely in the meantime uh take care of yourself and hope you're in the family doing well and you my friend thank you thank you very much for listening and i hope you enjoyed this discussion Stay tuned for more episodes. I've got some great stuff on the way very soon. In the meantime, enjoy your training.